0: Prayer seems to be an acquired taste. I mean, it's kind of like tapioca pudding, right? You either love it or you hate it. I mean, hate may be a strong word, but the truth of the matter is, if your grandma serves it, you'll eat it, but it's not your favorite kind of pudding. I mean, prayer is one of those things that when we talk about prayer, it seems like everybody either really responds well to it or they kind of push it away. And I've always struggled with prayer. I've been open about it. Even though I've grown up in a Christian household, even though I grew up around prayer as a regular part of our family's habits, all throughout my life, I've struggled to really have a consistent prayer life, a consistent walk with God, a conversation about how my life is, what it needs, and how God might be able to transform me and change the world around me. It showed up in phrases like, um, well, I'm not very gifted when it comes to prayer or prayer just doesn't seem very natural to me, or why pray when I know what I should do? And maybe those phrases are common to you, but what I realize is that prayer is either a natural response of what's going on in people's lives, or it's a difficult task. It's this normal response of something that we would do at a a given notice in any given moment, or it's this difficult task that even though we know we should do it, it's kind of like eating broccoli. We have to, but it's not comfortable for us. Recently, I was given a gift uh, from Pastor Ricky Spindler, who's at Stone Creek, and he gave me this book called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And as COVID-19 hit, I made a commitment to start working through this book. Now, I could read a chapter a day and I could knock it out pretty quickly. But what I've chosen to do is to take two, three, maybe four pages at the most and just marinate on them and think about them and kind of reconstruct the way I've thought about prayer and even handled prayer. And it's been encouraging to me that I think that prayer is being revitalized in my own life. It's something I've been able to jump back in and be able to do with great comfort now and great resolve. And so maybe the question we need to ask today is why pray? Why do we pray? When, When we need help in troubled times, absolutely. To learn from God. But what about the moments when we just know we need to pray? We need to have a conversation with God. We need to lean into his desires for our life to be transformed and be changed. Why should we pray? I think first and foremost, obviously, is because Jesus was a person of prayer. He was committed to prayer. We see him pulling away in solitude and stepping back for times of prayer to have a right relationship once again with God. Galatians uh, 5.25 reminded us last week that we, since we live by the Spirit, we should keep in step with the Spirit. And if we're going to live in rhythm with God, if we're going to live out God's will for our life, if we don't want to drag God into anything or have God drag us into anything, prayer becomes a vital portion of that conversation. It becomes part of our lifestyle. It's like as 1 Thessalonians 5 would say that we should pray continually to the point that it becomes a part of our lifestyle. And if prayer is going to become a natural part of who we are, if prayer is going to keep us in rhythm with the will of God, we need to understand that prayer is not like just a a single or a one-hit wonder. When we think of a single or just a simple song, we we think of something that we just do over and over and over again. It's a song that just simply plays out in our life. But I think we should think about prayer more like a mixtape. That it's several different kind of songs that develop one thing. Maybe you don't know what a mixtape is. Maybe you're from a generation that would like to say playlist. But back in the day when I still had long hair and I had some romance in my game, we used to put together a mixtape. And it would have a series of songs on them that would kind of speak about love and romance or just different anthems about your life. And you would, you would record these songs off the radio and then you would put a label on it and you would give it, you'd give it to your girl and then she'd, she'd kind of put it in her stereo and she'd listen to it. And so oftentimes before you'd go out on a date, she'd listen to those songs and spend time with you. Prayer is like that. It's a mixtape. Prayer is a mixtape, not a hit single. It's a series of songs and themes that play out overall to the anthem of our own life. And while it may be different songs, different types of songs, different artists, there's always a theme that's being developed. There's always an overall method that's being played out in our lives. And So when we look at prayer today, I want to talk about some aspects of prayer, uh, different rhythms and different patterns that play out, but they create this mixtape of prayer. So how do we pray? If few you of your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and jump to Matthew chapter 6. And Matthew chapter 6 is actually placed right in the middle of a conversation where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to live out the values of his kingdom, how to live out the character of God, how the people of God, when they live out that character and that will of God, what it will look like and how it'll transform the world that they're a part of. Now, what's interesting is when Jesus begins to talk about prayer, he talks about it, and he surrounds it with a couple of different conversations about dependency. Dependency as in how we place the priority on our finances. Or how we place the priority on, on, on the things that we provide for ourselves. And so Jesus puts a surrounding this conversation of prayer. Conversations about dependency and things that we surround our life with. And, and he warns us to not be caught up in greed, but to live a sacrificial life. To not surround ourselves with stuff, but to trust God in the world that we're a part of. And prayer becomes that anthem. Literally, the followers after Jesus say, can you just, can you just help us understand what prayer is? Can you help us why, understand why this is so valuable? And here's what he says, starting in Matthew chapter six, he says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, you may hear this prayer and you go, oh, that's the Lord's prayer. I know that prayer. And this is a very common prayer that gets memorized and even said uh, uh, before football games, uh, in, in moments of nervousness, in just times when children go to bed. It's a prayer that we memorize because its pattern and its words express the values of dependency before God that we want to live out. But I'd like to suggest that maybe Jesus didn't just give us the Lord's prayer to memorize but to be a pattern, a rhythm, for how we need to have conversation with God. So there are four aspects that happen in prayer, and I want to lay them out for us. If you've never been a person of prayer, these four aspects can help shape how you begin to have conversation before God. And the first aspect is this. Write down the letter P. It's for pause. Verse 9 gives us this idea of our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The truth of the matter is, oftentimes before we even utter a word, pausing is what we need to do. To take a breath. To recognize that we have a chance to speak to God in this moment. And Jesus, in his example, speaks this powerful word before anything else. Our. Our Father, now, this may seem like a small thing, but here's what we need to recognize: this is our Father, everyone's Father. It's important for us to understand this in this time, in this season. It's not my God, it's not His God or Her God or Their God or an American God or a White God or a Black God. This is our God. All of creation, all of humanity, every heart has the the opportunity to reach out, to cry out to God. And Jesus declares, our Father who's in heaven, holy be your name. Now, some of us who have grown up in church, we've learned this this kind of uh, acronym, if you will. Uh, through pray or through acts. And oftentimes when people teach how to pray, they start with this idea that uh, there's this understanding of the person of God or praising God. And while those are actual parts of prayer, it's the pausing that I want to emphasize because we want to pause and recognize what Jesus recognized, that this is a conversation with God, our father. We now have a relationship with God that we can converse that we can share that we can listen and understand how our relationship of dependency on God needs to flourish and God is concerned about who we are and so we pause we pause to honor God first and foremost to declare his greatness holy is your name we pause to recognize who we are not before God that we are sinful and broken, and yet God has invited us into a conversation. And We pause to refocus our heart and our mind where it belongs, which is on God. In my opinion, this is the most difficult portion of prayer. Because when I talk to people or when I hear people pray, oftentimes we jump right into the list of things that we need in our life. And people have an obstacle oftentimes in their prayer because they'll say things like, I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk to God. There's this awkwardness. And I want to encourage you to understand this. Sometimes they say in the culture that we're a part of that uh, if you ever see somebody's journal or diary, never grab it. It's private. You should never read it. And yet God has given us his word. It shares his heart, his nature, his will. And if you begin to read scripture specifically, the first four books of the New Testament, what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you will understand the story of Jesus and the nature of God and his intention for humanity. And you'll begin to understand the very God that you can talk to and share your life with. And in that moment, you'll begin to understand ways to talk and how to learn. But if you value this friendship, If you value knowing God, you will make it a part of your conversation. You will make it a part of your regular day. And so like Jesus, maybe we step away. Maybe for those of you who pray on a regular basis, maybe maybe you have a chair that you like to go sit in, kind of a sacred space where you can go and clear out some time, where you can still your mind and your heart and open your ears what God may want in our life. But the first thing we do is we pause. Second of all, we rejoice. We rejoice. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is an important moment to understand our posture before God, because many times when we think about having a conversation with God, the first thing we want to really focus on is just our failures and just our loss. Or just the brokenness of the world around us. How everything around us is torn up and torn apart. And Jesus, after acknowledging the Father and the will of the Father for his life, he says, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will and your way be done here. See, oftentimes we see the brokenness of the world and Jesus sees the opportunity for God to bring heaven to earth. For the solutions to the violence, to the hatred, to the devaluing of relationships around us, that it's when God's will comes to earth, when God's people live out his character, that's when the world will change. And so we pause to recognize who God is, but we rejoice that God's kingdom may come. We make this declaration that your kingdom, your will, your, yours be done on earth as it is in heaven. Third of all, we begin to ask. We ask, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive others who've sinned against us. This is perhaps the most popular portion of praying for most people. We, we're comfortable with asking God for what we need. Uh, a student who's pressing against finals, God help me, I stayed up all night, but I just hope that I remember this. God, give me the answers, Right? We pray for that moment when we get on one knee and we ask her to marry us. God, please help her say yes, right? We're good at asking God for things that we want. We're good for putting requests before God. But it's interesting that Jesus lays out kind of what we need to be asking for. We we ask God when we need things from God. It's for like when we lack when we lack, we ask God when we, when we have no food and we're hungry. We ask God when we, when we lack finances and we're broke. We ask God uh, when life is overwhelming and we don't have the strength. We ask God when we fall short and sin to help us. But we also ask God when we lack where he's leading us. We ask God when we ask to, to be led to help those who are hurting We ask God when we need to sacrifice something that we're uncomfortable with sacrificing. We ask God when we know that there's so much more to be done before us and we don't know how. We ask God. We ask God when we've been wronged to have the ability to forgive those who have wronged us. We pause, we rejoice, we ask, and then we yield. We yield. Yielding is something that we don't talk a lot about in our world that we're a part of. We don't don't think about this portion of prayer very often, but it's the portion where we, we literally verbally kind of ask God, out of everything that's going on, God, we want you to lead us from temptation. We want you to deliver us from the evil one. So God, what would you have us to do? what would you have us to change? I think for many of us, it's the prayer that we say, God, keep us from myself. Keep me from the habits, the wants, the desires that pull me away from you. And God, keep keep me away from the evil one, the one who wants to see my demise and my destruction. Yielding is where we open our hearts and our minds and we ask God, God, what do you want from me? God, what do you you have to say in my life, in this situation, in this circumstance? How should I lead lead this moment differently than where I started? You you realize, though, that this is is not a one-way conversation. Prayer is not something that we just throw out to God and we hope that it sticks. When we pause, we're putting ourselves in a posture to recognize that we're before God. When we rejoice, we recognize that God has a chance to come and change our world. When we ask, we share our dependency that we have on God. But when we yield, we're inviting God to speak into our life. Maybe it's through scripture that we read. Maybe it's through a prompting of the Holy Spirit. But prayer, prayer takes two people. You've heard it takes two to tango. Prayer is a dance that's meant for two. For us to not only be able to speak in front of God, but more importantly, for us to allow God to speak into our lives. Now, let me caution you about prayer for just a moment, okay? Because some of us are sitting here saying, I've never really tried praying. I've I've never really been a person of prayer. But some of us that are hearing this message, you've been praying for quite a while. And you either have maybe a pattern of some repeated prayers or times that you pray. And sometimes you can kind of get, you can kind of get stuck in your prayer life. You, you, can, you can maybe even make your prayer life kind of get more into like a shopping list or more even about your life or your schedule than, than even hearing from God. And I, I want to challenge us for a moment. I want to press us forward a little bit in our prayer life right now. If you've been a Christian for a season and, and you are a person of prayer, I want to challenge you to look at some of the prayers throughout scripture. Truth of the matter is, if you were to ask yourself, how do your prayers compare when looking at examples through scripture, I think many of us would would see a higher bar, a higher challenge of where our prayer life might be able to go. I mean, if you open the book of Jude and look at about verse 20, you begin to see that there's a desire that for Christians, our, our life might be built up in our faith By praying with the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. And that literally the mission of God is calling us to snatch people away from the the evil and the terror that is a part of our world. If you read the books of Ephesians or Philippians, you, you hear a man's prayer about people and the joy that he has. Every time he thinks about them because of the mission and purpose that God is doing in their church and in their lives. If you open the book of Colossians, you hear a challenge to be devoted to prayer, that we should look for open doors and opportunities to to proclaim Jesus clearly, to have wisdom and understand how to live out our faith in the world that we're a part of. When you read the book of Acts, you see a church that had prayer as a cornerstone to their gatherings and their relationship and their time before God. When you see them go through their hardships and their trials and their struggles, they pray and pray not just for God's provision or God's protection, but they pray that they might speak their faith more boldly. If you've been a Christian for a while, I wonder if, you've, I wonder if your prayer life is still flourishing. And I wonder if the challenge of scripture and seeing how prayer has been lived out if maybe this is a moment to press even further in on our life of prayer and our dependency before God. You know, recently this prayer journey has taken me in a lot of different directions. But I was hit with just a time of prayer this last Wednesday. I went to go visit a friend of mine, a small business owner in the city of Champaign. I want to show you a picture if I can. And it's a picture of his of his work. You'll notice that there's there's plywood now covering a window, and the words are kind of scribbled on there in spray paint, we are open. Now, this picture is painful to look at in a lot of different ways because it represents some things that have happened over the last two weeks. The death of George Floyd, specifically in this season, has really heightened a lot of the tensions and the frustrations that's been happening in our world. And I spent most of this week reaching out to many of my African-American friends to just say, I love you. I care for you. Is there anything I can do for you? I also reached out to many of my police officer friends to care for them, to tell them that we're praying for them, knowing that they're asked to serve and protect in a very difficult season. The truth of the matter is, there's a lot of things you may want me to talk about at this point, and I may or may not address everything the way you want. But there's no doubt that there are some portions of this last week that I'm, I'm very moved by, and there are points that I'm wounded by. I'm thankful that we had a peaceful protest where people were able to walk and to march and to call for justice. But I am also broken and disappointed over the riots and vandalism that happened in our community. I'm thankful for the men and women who have served and protected our community. But I'm also crushed by the events that led us to this point. I do not condone acts of violence, But I question what will be our solution. More memes, more screaming through social media about right and wrong. When I look at this picture, I see this declaration that, hey, we're open for business, for work, uh, for a living, you know. This isn't going to keep us down. We're going to keep moving forward. And I, I find encouragement. But I look at that picture also through the lens of the church. And I wonder if this, this tattered and broken sign, does it speak to who we are as a church? Is this the sign on our church? We've not been closed. And even though life has gotten difficult and things have expressed great evil and great woundedness, the church is still functioning. The church hopefully is flourishing. The church should be a solution to this season. We are like this sign as a church. We are beaten and tattered, and we show the wounds of our community on us as a people. We are open for business. We are the church. We are birthed from a Savior that was beaten and tattered, and his wounds, his wounds are from us all. And the church says, because of his death, his burial, and resurrection, we are open. But let me challenge you. Are we open? Are we open? Is prayer causing us to be more open before God? Are we open to turn the other cheek one more time? Are we open to forgive those who have wounded us? Are we open not to cast a stone at some sort of political leader? Are we open to love the unlovable, to reach the unreachable? What if this calling to prayer for us was to open our eyes and open our lives before God? What if our lives, broken and tattered, are to be signs that remind the world that God is open for business? What if God wants to take us to the places that are most difficult, to the places of darkness, To the places of evil, so that we might be light in the darkness, salt of the earth, would we go? What if prayer is to be the mechanism by which God writes on all of our hearts, we are open. And even through the protest, and even through the vandalism, and even through the violence, and even through death, God hears our cries, and through us, he reminds us that we are open for his glory and the service of all people. What if our prayer was to keep us open, not only before God, but before others in the hurt and the woundedness of our lives? I want to do something different as we wrap up and we get ready to prepare for our time of communion and, and, and our response. And I actually want to lead us In a time of prayer. Now, I want to ask you to take a different posture. I'm going to ask our creative arts team to start making their way on the stage. And oftentimes in the service, we would uh, would train, change things up right now. And we would let everybody know that this is our chance to respond in worship. And I'm going to ask you to take a posture of worship because our posture in prayer is an outward reflection of an inward action. So maybe, maybe you're seated on a couch or in your favorite recliner or sitting in a dining room chair. But I want you for this next moment, as we take a moment to pray, I want you to change your posture. So I'm gonna invite you, if you wanna kneel, to kneel. If you wanna sit cross-legged style on the floor, if you wanna lay out before God, I want us to pray. And I want us to take a moment as we think about this world and being open for God to use us And I wanna take us through the four aspects of prayer and how this is gonna work is this. I'll lead us through the first portion. I'll say, we're gonna take a moment to pause and then I'll say a sentence or two of prayer and then I'll pause in a moment of silence. And I wanna encourage you, whether you're sitting or standing, to pray out loud or to maybe just pray in the silence of your heart. But let's begin to take our posture and let's pray. God, we pause right now. God, you are holy and you are unlike any other God. You are a God of peace, of love, and justice, and compassion, and righteousness. And God, I recognize that in my character, I am not. Now we want to rejoice but God we see this world and we need your kingdom to come God we know that you are not only our solution you are our hope it is the sacrifice of your son that lives in us and God we ask that you make heaven on earth we do not know where justice will come but we pray that it comes from you Now we ask. God, we need your strength to keep it together in this moment. God, our hearts and our minds are even reluctant to forgive, to even trust. So God, teach us not only to forgive and to trust you, but to love as you love. And God, now we yield. God, I give myself to you. God, make it known where I need to grow and repent and confess and change my life so that my life may be open to you and that you might work through me in the world around me. God, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Each time when we finish up our service, we go into a time of response and oftentimes we literally take time like this to pray in our auditoriums. There are prayer branches and I miss those moments where we'd gather together. One of the other things we often do though is we, we make decisions and commitments. And maybe right now there's somebody who needs to make a commitment to Jesus. Maybe there's a next step of faith that you need to take and I want to encourage you to text the number. I want you to text the word Jesus to the number that's on the screen and there'll be somebody there who will talk with you and help you in this time. Maybe able to lead you towards some decisions. Maybe your prayer life has been pretty silent recently. But I want you to text that number and respond to what God is doing even in this moment as we're pausing. One of the other responses that we go right next to is uh, our chance to take communion. And we're reminded that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he had told his disciples, this is my body broken for you. And he took the bread and he broke it. He said, take and eat. And then in the same way, he took a cup. He said, this juice, it represents my blood poured out for you take and drink. He encouraged us. As often as we meet, do this in remembrance of him. That we would be reminded of his sacrifice, of his death, his burial, his resurrection given to us for the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. But we've talked about being open being open to God's will for our life. And so some of us have texted the word Jesus to maybe take a next step to see where God is leading. We're open to be reminded about the broken body of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us. But last of all, we, we also respond in our giving. And maybe today you're open to helping us with our work in Nepal where widows and orphans or children are hungry. And we would encourage you to use the Give app to respond financially, to help advance the mission of what Jesus is doing in our church and also those around the world. As we continue with our service, will you continue to respond as we sing and honor God through our voices?